0: Hi, and welcome to Pastor Christian Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message, and it will both challenge and inspire you. Here we go. Uh, John 4, and we're starting from verse 3, and we're going to read all the way through to 26. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. So, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour, and a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and, and the one whom you are now, uh, the one sorry, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. So many of you will be very familiar, right? And there's so much that deserves our attention this morning, but... but the way we're going to present things, we're going to skip over some of the most important parts of this passage to get to something that's significant for us today. So, again, let me encourage you, um, those things you are familiar with and even now remember, your favourite points, the favourite sermons, can you just like, I'm not saying to discredit them or anything like I'm just saying, can you bring your focus back off them and, and onto the scene that we're actually, I've just read about right now. So I want to remind you of a few things and then I want to highlight some things so I can make a point, okay? So obviously, right, um, this was not a chance meeting. I I know in verse 4 it says, but he needed to go through Samaria and you know, you've probably heard this, geographically he didn't. He went the long way around. So it wasn't a geographical need. But he had to go. Um, The reason that it wasn't uh, geographical sheds the light on the importance of this meeting. Um, There were other shorter routes, better roads to walk on. But this was a strategic, God-ordained appointment which would lead to a revival in a nearby city. And that's the reason it said he had to go there, right? And so um, I want to highlight the fact that sometimes the Father has us go the long way round or annoyingly out of our way, interrupting our schedule because he's got a God-made opportunity waiting for us, but how many of those opportunities do we miss because we take the preferred road, the easier road, the scheduled road? I meet my appointments. I, I try to. There's nothing more frustrating when you've got a heap of things to do, and somebody else comes, and and there's things like, oh, you've got to do it, so you have to push away what you want to do to squeeze in what they want to do. And then later on, you got the pressure of the building up because there's all these other things. That... Anybody know what I mean? Well, God <laughs> said that very authoritarian, yes. But the thing is here, here, God had a God-ordained appointment. And and so Jesus had to go the long way round to make this appointment. And, and I want us to remember that. In fact, can I suggest that when you find yourself going the long way round, when you find yourself uh, annoyingly out of your way or inconvenienced by the scheduling, when you get into a place like that, can I encourage you just to stop and take a look around just in case there's a good or God-ordained appointment just waiting for you right there. I, I remember, who remembers Arthur it. He was a famous American, one of the first guys who started carrying the cross. And I remember, you know, he's a pastor of a church and God said to him, I want you to carry the cross. And he literally started carrying the cross because he went from, I think it was east to west or west to east in America. And it became a big deal and he ended up taking the cross all around the world through China, Russia, all these wonderful places. But but he, I remember we were sat in one of his meetings when we were first saved and I remember he says, every time he's in an airport, and and this happened a lot to him there would be a problem with the airplane or there'd be some kind of hang up instead of getting annoyed because he had appointments somewhere else in the world he would say, wait a minute this is an opportunity to preach so he would get up and start preaching literally, he would start preaching he would look for someone for witness to. he would just and he said, you know what, after a while all these little annoying things stopped happening because uh, he, he believes it was the devil behind it trying to stop him. But he took, so, but in the same way, not quite to that degree, but in the same way, when you're in a place where you've had to go the long way around when you know there's a better way, a quicker way, a more convenient way, when, when annoyingly, you know, um, your schedule has been had to be pushed aside, when it is annoying and frustrating and, and, and you find you... Can I ask you just to stop, just in case... And have a look around. Because I think this happens more than we like to think about or are aware of, and we miss some many great opportunities. So from now on, every time you find your place, you know, when you this is the long way round. This is so annoying. My it's my schedule's getting I've got all this other stuff to do and I'm stuck. In, and all because of that, can I encourage you right then in that moment, just take a breath and think, well, I wonder if God's involved in this. In verse 6, we're told that Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary from his journey, um, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Interestingly, the Gospel of John, for those who know, is a book that highlights Jesus being God, uh, the Christ, the Son of God. But interestingly, here we have this point where his humanity is revealed, deliberately, intentionally The Son of God, it says, the book that's all about Jesus being the Son of God says, and he was weary by his journey. Um, And I don't want to get distracted by the theology of this, but it is still interesting for me at least. Um, The Son of Man, Son of God showing his humanity. Um, But this isn't about theology this morning. Sometimes and and sometimes regularly, we can get weary by the journey we're on right, it's just for here, for this moment, for this, in this account, Jesus was physically weary, right, physically weary, and, uh, but we get, we, it happens to us the same, we get wearied by the journey we're on sometimes, and, and, and I've noticed that uh, as I get a little bit older, I do get physically wearied a lot more than I used to, I've noticed that if I'm not careful, I tend to have cramps in the evening, which is very uncomfortable. Um, But sometimes on our journeys, we can get emotionally wearied. It's very taxing. You know, and and going back to what Jane shared last week about her ministry time in in Turkey, um, the ladies who were there were incredibly weary, not just physically, but emotionally, mentally, and even spiritually. And uh, the danger is that we can all become weary from the journey. It's, it's what we do at that time. And and again, it's not my point, but it needs to be mentioned. Jesus, being aware uh, that he was weary, sat down and rested. He had a moment. He, he collected his thoughts, took a deep breath, asked for a drink. Uh, so... Here, the Son of Man revealing, the Son of God revealing that his humanity, feeling weary from the journey. But even in that moment, there was a significant God-ordained appointment. So even, can I suggest, that even in the moments we feel worried, and and, and we might have been worried by people, because we've gone out of our way, and we've we've given of ourselves, and, and we've... We've helped and contributed and sacrificed even, all seemingly for nothing because it's just taken for granted and as soon as the need's met, you're forgotten. Uh, it can be very wearying. Uh, but can I ask you that? In those moments too, just like here, Jesus being weary, there was an incredible God appointment just waiting for him. And again, I'm liking it to us and drawing our attention to that fact, that, you know, uh, even in those times, there's incredible opportunities about us. Uh, And it says the disciples returned to him and found him refreshed. In, um, In John 4, 31 and 34, we read this. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now we need to be really careful with this point, but the point is here um, that there's something very nourishing about doing the Father's will. Jesus was wearied, but a God-ordained appointment happened and and through that ministry, through that appointment, Jesus was refreshed. Sometimes our weariness is when we're caught up in other things. And 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 they could be important things. They, they could be things that are not worthy. Uh, e- even um, things that are worth showing and telling about to reproduce for others, to inspire others. But But the deal is, a lot of times we get weary when we're doing... Other stuff. I remember Jesus sat with the two sisters, Martha and Mary. Martha going off. I'm doing all the work. She's doing nothing, Lord. Will you tell her to get up and do something? And, and what did you say? I'm telling you, Mary, she's chosen the best way. It won't be taken from her. And That's an incredible... I don't want to get sidetracked again. But an incredible uh, moment because traditionally, culturally, Jewishly, is there such a word? She shouldn't have even been in that meeting. That's an all male meeting. But there she was, right in the front seat at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says she's done the right thing. Sometimes we get distracted with everybody else and everything else. And, and it might be honorable, it might be the right thing to do. But sometimes it wearies us unnecessarily. But doing the Father's will refreshes, it nourishes us. Um, But again, we need to be careful. We need wisdom in all this. So this point then leads me to this woman and this woman's transformation. This woman... We don't have many details except the fact that she was married five times and is living with a man right now It could be the potentially number six. She was a woman who was used, abused, betrayed, judged, isolated and I think it's fair to use the phrase that is thrown around a lot today. She was broken. And as we talk about this and think about this, I want you to notice something with her healing, her transformation, her recovery, her restoration, whatever word is appropriate there, that it was directly proportionate to her revelation of Jesus. In the conversation, Jesus went from being a Jew, to a sir, to a prophet, And then possibly the Messiah through this one encounter. The conversation went from, how come you're even talking to me? To, okay, well, how do we get this water? To, you know what, I'm up for some of this spiritual water you're talking about. To, you know, things never went the way they'd hoped and... They could well be my fault. Two, tell me how I can get closer to this God. That's literally the outline of the conversation. Now for a moment, let's just forget that she's a woman who has had five husbands and is now living with the possible next. We're not told anything about these husbands or what happened. it it, probably, some of them could have died. Which wasn't uncommon in those days. Meant to die young. Um, We're not told if they died. We're not told if it was just really bad decisions that she made. We're not told if she was a really good lover but a terrible wife. We're not told those sort of things. But these are all... Feasible in the context of the story and the little bit we're given about her. We don't know if it was just the men she picked, poor choice in men and, and, and you will have seen this and I, I don't want to sound judgmental but we know some people who go through relationships and they seem to be magnets for bad men. With the hope that this is going to be different, overpowering all common sense, and then that runs in a ruin, and they end up with a, another bad man and another bad. We, we don't know exactly what went in in her life. We can assume some stuff without being negatively judging her, as probably many would have in the day. Um, but instead of just thinking about a woman. And with that many relationships, let's just see her right now, if we can, as a person whose life is really messed up. Because what we're talking about isn't just about bad relationships, it's it's not about women making bad decisions, it's not about some terrible things that happen to women, this is about people whose lives are messed up. And I'm, I'm, I deliberately want to focus on that because there's a message here for the men just as powerful as for the women, okay? Let, let's say she's just a person whose life is really messed up because, you know, um, I think most of us can identify with that. Anybody here can say, you know what, I, I know because there was a time in my life that was really messed up. And if, if we never if we were so blessed that we didn't get in a situation where our lives were messed up, some people we care about, who have in, who's, that relationship has incredible influence over our lives, their lives were really messed up, and because of that, our lives became messed up. I, I, would everybody agree with me that we know, we are or we know that person? No. Mother liars, I'm telling you, or you just you're not lying, you just don't want to put your hand up thinking I'm setting you up or something, but the truth is this passage relates to each and every one of us. The truth is we're all people, and as the song says, and the poets have said we we're broken, we've been broken, and I do want to get into jane's broken bowl and the way they glue it together and then put gold back in it and the end product is more valuable than the unbroken vessel because the way it's been lovingly restored and filled with gold i i i want to be involved in that i want to do that so bad James telling me don't don't shut up shut up shut up uh it's one of those things that's worth stealing and doing and taking the credit for I'm walking on very thin ice right now, so let's pull it back in so with that understanding, looking at it from that that vantage point through those glasses that you know this is a, just a person that's life's messed up. it's a person that we can all identify with, and whoever's on the phone tell them they can identify with it too uh right so. We can identify that's the point. Now, please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say, right? Because prayer and counseling are extremely helpful and beneficial, right? So, with what I'm about to say, don't please don't think that I'm not valuing or I'm I'm pulling down counselling or prayer. I'm not. But I do want to make a point. I want to draw your attention to the fact. Well, even Jesus himself, how many times did he pray for people? How many times did Jesus sit down and counsel people, bring revelation of the word and understanding, and that kind of counselling? I, I, I I, so I, I'm not pulling this down. I'm not belittling this, right? Because Jesus himself did it. So let me say it again. Please don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. Prayer and counselling is extremely helpful, extremely beneficial. And and some of us are living in the benefit right now. Uh, But I want to tell you something. I want to point out something here. The more she knew Jesus, the more she became herself. Jesus never once prayed for her. Jesus never once counselled her. You notice that? There's no prayer in here. This is just a, an appointment. This is just a meeting. But the, the closer she got to knowing who Jesus really was, the more whole she became. Now, some of you might think, how can you say that? Well, I'll tell you how I can say that. Because she was she was healed, restored, transformed perhaps in this one encounter, in this conversation. Not, no prayer in it, no counselling in it, just her starting to get closer to Jesus, her just starting to understand who Jesus really was, her, her starting to believe changed everything. And some of you know that to be true because it's part of your testimonies. But, but watch this. Um, we got these verses, John 4, 25 and 26. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. She got the ultimate revelation, right? Now watch, watch what she does with it. John 4, 28 and 29. The woman then left her water pot, went away into the city, and said to the men. Notice how it says, didn't say to everybody or to people. And said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Let me just highlight the obvious. Let me just talk to you a little bit about that. A broken person, and oftentimes a broken person is is an unrepentant person, is also an unforgiving person. They're hurting, they're bitter, they're angry. Would you agree with me? Let's let's start again. Let's say it again. A broken person, generally, usually, they're unrepentant because they don't think they've done anything wrong. They're victims, right? an unforgiving person. I want justice. And They're unforgiving. They're hurting. They're bitter. They're angry. These people could not go to the place and the people that were partially responsible for her brokenness. Would you agree with me? Maybe you don't know many broken people. Well, you probably do, but how invested are you in them? This is let let me. This is true. A broken person, and basically, I, I'm not judging them. I'm just saying this is characteristics ring true. They're unrepentant. They're unforgiving. They're hurting. They're bitter. They're angry. They could not go to the place and the people who are partially responsible for the brokenness and boldly give them a message of hope. In fact, they probably do the same, do the exact opposite, sorry. She's starting to believe that this is the Messiah, this is the Christ. This is the one we've all been looking at, waiting for, hearing about. And I'm with him. This is what would normally happen if she wasn't healed. And they're not. I'm going to keep this to myself. They don't don't need any mercy or grace. They need justice. I'm not going to give them any hope or this good news. Would you agree with me? That's what would usually happen. But this woman, I love the way she just went right back to the city, right to the place where she lived, right to the place where all this stuff happened, right to the place where she's living the consequences of what happened, right there, the place where she couldn't get the water early in the morning with the rest of the women because they were shamed out and judged, but had to go in the middle of the day to get She's going back to the place that makes that happen for her. That's isolated her, that causes her to be on her own. And and whether it's true or not, she feels completely judged and condemned by them. But she goes right back to that place and to them people and she gives them a message of hope. Hey, And it says to the men, she went to the men of that place and said to the men, I think the Messiah is down by the well. I think the hope of all mankind is at the well. I'm, I'm telling you, she got healed. She not even got healed, she got transformed. She got radically transformed. She, she was renewed. She, she became, started to become the woman that she'd always thought she could be, the woman that God always intended her to be. All, all the stuff that comes with the brokenness, it's dropped off her and she's like, forget the vengeance, forget the justice, forget all that. You guys really need to, I think he's the Christ. She gives him a message of hope. And watch, watch what happens. John 4, 39, 41. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed for there two days, and many more believed because of his word. What an incredible woman. Here's a thought. And hopefully a hope to hang on to. Perhaps to unravel the mess that's ensnared our lives. Or if it's not our lives. Our lives are either the mess that's ensnared the lives of someone you really care about. The key to unraveling that snare, that tangled mess, it's getting closer to Jesus. It's getting to know him better. Again, I'm not believing prayer or counselling, we need more prayer. But there was no prayer here, there was no counselling here. As she started to believe, as she started to get close, as she started to understand Her life was radically changed. She was healed. That brokenness just fell off her. She became whole. Can, Can you see this? Because this is important. The trouble is, I know it sounds really cliche. All you need is get closer to Jesus. But it's true. But here's the thing. The trouble is that it's really hard. And it's especially hard for people who've been Christians for a while. Christians, hear me. It's even harder for Christians for a while. And especially if it was other Christians who were involved in making the mess. You need to hear this. Because they think they're justified. But here's what's really happened. They've been hurt. And, and they're broken now. But they're Christians. They've known the Lord a long time. But, but here's what happened. They've taken their eyes off Jesus and, and just emotionally focused so hard on the offence, on, on the thing that caused the offence, on the thing that broke them, on the thing that caused the hurt, and the people who were involved. They're so focused on them They think they're still with Jesus, but Jesus has moved on. They aren't following Jesus anymore. Sure, they believe. I I said this the other week, and when I went home and thought about it, it was more profound than I actually thought. But I meet, you meet a lot of people. who used to be actually involved in the ministries Jesus had for them. And, And now you rarely see them and they don't ever go to church, and uh, when you talk to them, this line comes up regularly, yeah, they, yeah, I don't go, and I'm not involved as much, but I still love Jesus. But then you think, but wait a minute, Jesus said, but if you love me, if you really love me, you'll do what I've asked you to do. And I'm, he wasn't talking about the commands. He, he's talking about the principles of life that he gave them. He said, you know, some of the things he said like, Hey, forgive. He said, forgive one another. Love one another. If if you really love him, won't you be doing that? Because that's what Jesus said. He said, be generous, be be caring for one another. He, he said, You've got to take the good news into all the world and preach the gospel. Hmm? So you hear that phrase, yeah, I don't, I'm not involved and I don't go, but I still love Jesus. Well, that sort of doesn't work according to Jesus' definition of the word. Sad. But, but what's happening is people now, they love the Lord, they said, and, they, and, and it's just they believe in Jesus, but all they're focused on is the offence. And there's a bitterness and an anger and, and there's an unforgiveness and, and because of all that, there's still unrepentance because it's somebody else's fault. Are you hear what I'm saying this morning? Am I talking to anybody here this morning? Oh, you're talking to those people, I know people like that. No, no, we're all people like that. Some stuff happened to us. And and truth is, I was probably a bit naive and a bit dumb. Uh... The truth was I was immature. That was the truth. I was immature. But you know what? I thought I forgave, but it took me years and years and years to get to the point where I truly forgave. And I knew I could forgive because I could hang with those people and do life with those people like it never happened. But I didn't forget, but I'd forgiven. And I'd learned a lesson I didn't. I didn't hold them in condemnation or anything like that. Demand justice? No, no. Uh, but I did make sure it never happened again. Part of that was not allowing them that kind of influence, but also me being more mature and realizing that was very dumb. Took me many years to get to that place. I'm nearly there now. <laughs> James says, "Now you're talking." Um, so it's really hard especially for Christians especially when other Christians were involved and they do know him and they know a little bit about him but they're not focused on him and they're not following him They've taken their eyes off him. So here's the word. And and I know there'll be people in this room that I know and and there's some people watching. Perhaps I don't know. But I've been around a long time right now and they're still in church. They're still in church. But you know what? They're more focused on the offence than they are on Jesus. And they might be doing stuff but they're busy looking for justice. They haven't forgiven. They haven't repented. And and there's an anger. There, there's that. The streak of meanness in them, that every now and again you press the right button, it comes out. Can I can I say to you? It's time to let it go. In the day we live in in what the Holy Spirit is doing right now, we don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. It's stuff that you've been praying for and looking for your whole life, your whole Christian life. It's not worth carrying. Finally, once... And, and you might have gone through this process several times, but finally you need to forgive. You need to let go, but you also need to repent and, let, and just really... How can I say it politely? Mature. Get smarter. Because we're about to enter a phase, and we've already entered, When the Holy Spirit's doing the most amazing things. But we've got to be so focused on Him in this season. We've got to be so sensitive to His leading and His guiding. We've literally, we really have, because things... For us, are changing things. For a lot of ministers I know, a lot of churches, things are changing, and it's not. Most of them aren't changes that have been. Oh yeah, we need to change this, and we plan and we strategize. And we, no, no. God's working in such a way where things are happening. I don't know if you realize our whole missions, drive and emphasis. Is not ending, but it's changing. And we, and we have to become so sensitive. We can't afford to get angry. We can't afford to get bitter. We we can't afford just to, oh, well, what's the use? Throw up our hands and walk away. No, no, we're committed to this. It's who we are. It's our DNA. But we have to be sensitive enough to follow the lead, the guide of the Holy Spirit through this change because it's the change that will bring us into a new season and greater things. But in your life personally, sure, they never treated you right. It wasn't the right thing. It was done wrong. Whatever it was. that they, they used and abused your trust. Whatever it was. I don't know what it was. But whatever it was. It wasn't your fault probably. I don't know. Maybe it was. Who, who knows? Who cares right now? The point is this. You've got to let it go. Because you can't keep your eyes on Jesus and follow him through this changing world, if you can't take your focus off the offense, If you're dragging that with you, if you're bringing it, if you're letting it put that mean streak in your soul, well, well it's just not going to happen. It's time to let it go. How do, how do you let it go? Well, let's look to the cross. Let's look what Jesus went through. Far, far worse. Multiple, infinitely times worse than what any of us have experienced the innocent who only came to bless was lied about falsely accused humiliated shamed painfully tortured executed butchered ravaged and in his as he's in the midst of all that pain he's saying father forgive them they don't know what they're doing he's our example He who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross and all the humiliation and the shame and the pain of it, endured it off. Why? Because he saw beyond it. Can't we, I think it says it in Philippians, have this mind, the mind that's in Christ. And they list these things. But the deal is this, can't we be a little bit like him? Can't can't we just come to the point where we realise, okay, you know what? Um, I've been forgiven. I should forgive. I've been forgiven so much. So unworthy. So deserving of the punishment, yet I've been forgiven and I don't have to live with that. I've been blessed. Can, can Can we look at it through that and then forgive those? And let go of that and get our eyes back on Jesus. Just like this person who was broken. Whether you want to admit it or not today, the truth is probably all of us have been broken one way or another. And many of us went through what this lady went through. We didn't get counselling or special prayer. It's the closer we got to Jesus, the better we got to know him the more we became the person he always intended us to be. There was a transformation. But, but, And let me tell you, there are plenty of people praying for us that we're not even aware about. But the deal is this, there wasn't specific prayer for that. You just got to know Jesus a bit, didn't you? Well, it's time. And, and here's the thing about people who've been in Christianity and church a long time. You don't know as much as you think you know. There's a lot more to Jesus than you know already. It's time to get close again. It's time to move closer. And as we do, as we let go of the offence and the stuff that ensnares and entangles all that mess, take our eyes off that, put them back on Jesus, start to move closer to him, start to obey his commands, you know what, we'll see new things about him and that will not only bring more information to us, but it will change us and transform us. We'll become more and more like him. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you were blessed with today's message. You can connect with us at fastfirmchristianchurch.com.